1: in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I
0: Picture
2: this, a well-known company is struggling on the stock market. Hedge funds are betting against it by short selling the company stock in anticipation of its potential demise. But then, out of nowhere, the stock starts to go up and up and up, like billions of dollars up. So the hedge fund short sellers suddenly lose money, a lot of money, and they're furious about it. But then the whole scheme collapses, screwing the company's surprise investors. No, I'm not talking about GameStop. 12 years earlier, the almost exact same thing happened to Volkswagen. In this case, the stock revolt wasn't a populist uprising led by Redditors like Roaring Kitty and Deep Value. Instead of an online forum, the investor was none other than Porsche. Specifically, a plan concocted by the sports car company's ambitious CEO to create the world's biggest car maker. The plan shocked the world and seemed sure to work until everything went up in flames. How did Porsche cause the biggest short squeeze in history? How did Volkswagen briefly become the most valuable company in the world? And in what ways does the story of Porsche and VW overlap with the headlines of 2021? Forget stock cars, today we're talking about car stocks. Forget NASCAR, we're talking NASDAQ. We're trading in the short shifter for the short squeeze. On today's episode of Pass Gas, it's Volkswagen, the GameStop of cars?
3: Pass Gas Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: about
4: cars. It's not about ports. <laughs> <laughs> nice i love that intro yeah
3: it's a great intro yeah like 12 years ago that's why i got into Volkswagens because i was like man these are going to be worth a million million dollars one day. <laughs> i didn't really understand how stocks work <laughs> and i know that a lot of you guys out there don't quite quite understand how stocks work but we're we're gonna learn together i think nolan has a pretty Basic understanding of, of how stonks work. Um, sure, so we, also, we also have a script, and our, our writers are very smart people. So I think we've all learned a lot
2: about the stock market in the past couple of weeks. Also, our, our our fellow Donut co-host, Jeremiah Burton, has been giving me a, a, a fair amount of Dude, financial advice lately. Uh, He's secretly
4: a billionaire. He's He knows how <laughs> to work that stock market. Not secretly. Jeremiah <laughs> owns like 12 cars. Meanwhile, I'm trying to buy Dogecoin... I'm trying to buy $75 (laughs) worth of dog coin, and I can't do it. I can't make it happen for some reason.
3: (laughs) I make a million dollars an episode. You know how many episodes I would have to make to be a billionaire like Jeremiah? A thousand. A thousand. Yeah. We're almost there. I I remember when we
4: hit 666 videos. We're like, we should. Let's just stop here. We can't make any more videos. This is the nicest number. And then (laughs) I just looked again. We're up to 900 videos. Like, just like
2: that. The one thing you say about us is we make videos. We make them. videos. Yeah. <laughs> we do be making those videos. Anyway, hello. Welcome to Pass hey. Gas.
3: Nolan, are you in Vegas or something?
2: Uh, I am your host, Nolan Speaking Sykes, reporting Jeremiah. from Vegas. That's right. I am. We are in Las Vegas. I am with the Bumper to Bumper team. Nice. Uh, we're going to be shooting some videos, which will probably start coming out by the time this episode airs.
4: That's a good cover for your real... Reason you're in Vegas, opening up for Chris Angel. I'm so proud of you, dude.
2: Uh, He called me up. He said, hey, we like your very... um, Do you call him Chris on the phone? He actually prefers Mr. Angel. It's actually (laughs) pronounced Angel. (laughs) Angel is his stage name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can't make eye contact with him. Definitely don't uh, uh, try on his leather pants when he's not looking. He makes he has
4: only purple M&Ms in the in his <laughs> yeah. dressing room but they don't even make it so he has to have
3: them specially made.
2: Yeah, he has to send a PA down to the M&M store on the strip to get his special made <laughs> purple M&Ms.
3: Dude, first thing I'm doing once I get that vaccine, going to Vegas, hitting the M&M store. Best greatest place
2: Hunter.
4: I'll be licking licking all those slot machine levers. <laughs> I'm not going to get other- sick.
2: <laughs> Those other two voices you hear are uh Joe Weber who will be licking the slot machines. Thanks Don, I'm truly fired up to be here. And James Pumphrey, hello. To two. <laughs> <laughs> I never
4: have a desire to go to Vegas just cuz I like don't like gambling, but I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race mm-hmm. and it's making me want to go see like a drag show there. There's a bunch of like queens from there and it's just so if I laugh weird, it's only because I've been imitating RuPaul's laugh all week.
3: <laughs> ha, ha, ha.
2: Ha, 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 ha. I don't know. Like I've only been here for work. The last time I was here, it was for SEMA a couple of years ago uh, when we did the Kia stuff. And I mean, that was that was a lot of fun, but we still had like, work to do. It'd be cool to f- come here for fun for once.
3: Hey, before we kick it off, let's just say, I'm really looking forward to doing anything for fun yeah. again. <laughs> Well, let's have some fun with this
2: podcast. Let's get into the script, huh?
3: Let's get
2: it! So, you're probably wondering, why Volkswagen? And why Porsche? Well, the answer to both those questions lies with a guy named Vendelin Videking. In 2008, Porsche's CEO was the golden boy of the automotive industry, having dramatically turned around his company's fortunes over the previous 15 years.
4: Not the original golden boy, because that was Big Chin. What's his name, right? What? Big Chin the, uh, Pontiac uh, GTO guy. What's his name? Oh, Dorian, uh, DeLorean. Uh, John DeLorean, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. the guy that made the DeLorean.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Vindeking had an unassuming nature, including a mustache and glasses combo that compelled one German magazine to describe him as resembling, quote,
3: a clock at a Venetian blinds manufacturer. <laughs> That's a in burn in a Yeah, hat, it really dude. is. It's like just <laughs> like, subtle enough to yeah. be like,
4: ooh, ow. Ooh, but it like, so
3: it's so specific. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that person <laughs> would look like that. Who says Germans don't have a sense of
2: humor? But after starting his career as an assistant in one of Porsche's production departments, Vinda managed to climb all the way to CEO. Tragically, just as the company was about to go bankrupt. When Vita King took over in 1993, Porsche sold just 14,000 cars per year. That's compared to the 50,000 in annual sales during the 1980s, so sales really dropped off. In particular, our recession had tanked sales to just 3,000 cars per year in the U.S., down 90% from just a few years earlier. And the cars themselves were also a problem. Porsche's were no longer universally seen as luxury precision engineering, but instead as jankety Euro crap. (laughs) In particular, the budget-friendly 944 developed a reputation as notorious for having serious reliability issues, unquote. So Porsche's high-end cars weren't selling because they were expensive, and their low-end cars weren't selling because they weren't all that great. Luckily, Vita King had a plan. Instead of going for volume, Porsche would use fewer workers to make fewer cars with fewer defects. One of his first moves as CEO was bringing in consultants from Toyota to overhaul Porsche's manufacturing process, imbuing the company's famous German craftsmanship with some very much needed Japanese efficiency. After some initial internal resistance, Vita King and the Toyota mechanics were able to lower the assembly time per vehicle from 120 hours to 72 hours, which cut defects in half. And saved millions of dollars in man hours and factory space. Uh, I remember in a recent wheelhouse that we did on Porsche, um, the Toyota consultants that came in were just like bewildered that Porsche, like on the assembly line, Porsche employees had to like climb ladders to bins <laughs> to like get parts that they need for when they're putting a car together. It's just like the most inefficient way to to build a car.
3: Yeah, and they're just like taps with like warm beer and. <laughs> handing out sausages and sour cabbage all day long. Those guys are spending way too much on the sauerkraut table and not enough time on the cars. They
4: actually used sauerkraut as as a way to measure stuff, which was very inconsistent.
2: (laughs) Totally weird. In 1996, the New York Times
3: reported on the changes at Porsche, explaining that, quote, the traditional craftsmanship for which Germany became famous was filing and fitting parts so that they fit perfectly, stop. But that was wasted time, stop. The parts should have been made right the first time, stop. The new craftsmanship (laughs) is creating an uninterrupted flow of manufacturing, complete stop. (laughs) This is 1996. (laughs) Still the New York Times, dude. (laughs) Porsche
2: was saved and by the end of 1996, the global economy had rebounded and the company was no longer losing money. In the next few years, Vita King introduced two new models, the relatively affordable Boxster and the Cayenne SUV. Both were huge sellers, and by 2005, the company's revenue had jumped to $10.3 billion per year, six times what it was when Vita King took over. Vita King was publicly hailed as the company's savior, and he had also proven himself a savvy negotiator. When he took over as CEO and Porsche was hemorrhaging money, he inserted a clause in his contract entitling him to 1% of profits if they ever made it back into the black. In 2005, that $10 billion in revenue had led to $1.9 billion in profit, meaning that Vita King secured himself a bonus of nearly 20 million.
3: Like that is like such a crazy contract. Like, yeah, I want 1% of a car company. (laughs) (laughs) Of just the profit. Uh, still, all this success wasn't enough for King Vita King. The CEO had a business philosophy that he shared with Industry Week magazine. Quote, if a company is not able to grow, it is not able to survive. If you stagnate, I think that is the beginning of the end. After expanding Porsche's business with the Boxster and the Cayenne, Vita King didn't see any more growth opportunities in the luxury car market. But he did see one, sure way, to grow, even if it seemed somewhat insane to outsiders. He was going to buy Volkswagen. At the time, Volkswagen produced 50 times more cars per year than Porsche did. It was easily the biggest automaker in Germany and an unlikely target for Vita King's comparatively small company. But Vita King had a WandaVision. (laughs) add porsche to the expansive offering of volkswagen brands like audi and bentley creating a company big enough to rival toyota that's bold he also thought volkswagen stock was undervalued giving him more incentive to move Even though VW sold $120 billion worth of cars every year, the profits amounted to a measly $2.2 billion annually, barely more than Porsche made. So the stock market valued the company as being worth just $17 billion, despite its large consumer base. VitaKing imagined quickly making Volkswagen more profitable using the same steps he took at Porsche. At the time, Volkswagen was also an important partner for Porsche. The Cayenne as well as the soon-to-be-released Panamera Sedan were both built on VW chassis, which saved Porsche hundreds of millions of dollars in manufacturing costs. So with Volkswagen stock teetering in the financial world, aware that Porsche had a vested interest in stabilizing them, Vitaking made his first move under the guise of self-protection. On September 25th, Two thousand five, Porsche announced that it was paying four point two billion dollars to acquire a twenty percent stake in Volkswagen. Uh, Porsche just did this uh, with Rivian. Yeah, yeah, no, Remac, a Remac, Remac, sorry. Yeah, the financial markets were immediately baffled. Uh, this is like if Dom Perignon suddenly decided to buy twenty percent of Mountain Dew, but Porsche's. ownership would make it hard for any American corporate raiders eyeing Volkswagen to scoop up control of the company, which would in turn compromise Porsche's ability to build cars on Volkswagen's platforms. Vita King publicly insisted that Porsche was planning a takeover, saying, quote, we wish to ensure the independence of the Volkswagen group. This was slightly undermined when 11 months later, he bought another 5% of VW, Two months after that, he was in for another 4.9%, meaning that...
2: 30%, wow.
3: Over 13 months, Porsche had bought nearly a third of Volkswagen stock. Wow. Porsche was moving less subtly than a baseball bat to the face. Yeah, I dude. just want to give it a shout out because I heard modern baseball's getting back together and I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. Uh, even still, Porsche continued to officially say they had no intention of merging listen okay so i don't live with your mom anymore sure but we're not getting a divorce yeah i got a lady living with me but she's just my friend even if she (laughs) bought me a mountain bike (laughs) (laughs) that happened that's what happened it was a diamondback i'm not
2: gonna say no to a diamondback that's a great (laughs)
3: bike Even still, Porsche, oh, mom, no, it makes sense. Like, it's just dad's friend, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Even still, Porsche continued to officially say that they had no intention of merging. But Vita King started to drop the facade that he didn't want to control the way Volkswagen did business, telling reporters that our intention is to be very, very active members of the supervisory board. There have to be some changes no doubt. And he even went on record calling Volkswagen is a gold mine. <laughs> Uh-oh, Gold members back.
2: No. I was listening back to that episode. <laughs> Disgusting. I got a lot of
4: I got a lot of people in my DMs that were like fuck you the first Austin Powers is the best one. <laughs>
2: how touchy of a subject it was. Dude, don't mess with the Austin Powers
3: stands. Dude, my favorite Austin Powers movie is The Guru. <laughs> <laughs> the Love Guru? Wow. <laughs> One of the reasons Vitaking
2: King was moving fast but talking slow was because of an obscure regulation called the Volkswagen Act, which meant that Porsche technically couldn't own VW yet. You probably know that Volkswagen was founded in 1937 by a little-known car nut named Adolf Hitler and initially owned entirely by the German government. If you want to know more about that, check out the episodes we did on the VW Beetle, as previously mentioned. What's important to know for this story, though, is that in 1960, Volkswagen was privatized. The passage of the Volkswagen Act was part of that privatization and was intended to make sure the German government still had the biggest say in the way VW operated. It gave the local government in Wolfsburg 20.1% ownership of the new private company and also stipulated that any votes on major shareholder resolutions required 80% agreement, meaning the government could effectively veto anything, including takeovers by outside interests. Just hearing, like, with all the
4: political stuff going on right now, hearing 80% agreement seems, like, absolutely impossible to me.
2: (laughs) Oh, totally. But... In October of 2007, a European court ruled that the Volkswagen Act was illegal in the European Union because it violated free trade law. The German government continued to enforce the law as they tried to rewrite it, but Vita King thought it was only a matter of time until it was fully repealed and Wolfsburg lost its veto power.
3: Dude, I bet there were so many old dudes in Wolfsburg just like pissed. Oh, (laughs) for
2: sure. Vita King saw his opportunity. He wanted Porsche to be in position to immediately take over VW when the law was finally repealed. So just five months after the European court decision, the Porsche Supervisory Board gave Vita King authorization to seek a 50% share in Volkswagen. A lot of money. That Dude, that's what those freaking Cayennes did for them, man. Gave them that pow- that buying power.
3: The boom, boom. That big old tootie toot. You know what
2: I mean? <laughs>
4: Got that stinky <laughs> cabbage rod in a hole in my mm-hmm. pockets.
2: Yup, yup, yup. By this point, shares of Volkswagen had tripled in price from when Porsche started buying them, and this is where the story starts to look very familiar to anyone who's been following the GameStop story. The company was becoming more valuable, but not because of improvements to their business or increased profitability. Instead, this was the beginning of Volkswagen's transformation from an automaker into a financial bubble.
4: Uh, you know, as someone who's trying to buy a Dogecoin, I completely understand this.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I completely understand it, too. My, I'm lucky enough to be partnered with a very savvy businesswoman. So I make jokes and make her laugh, and then she gets us the money. <laughs> <laughs> James, do you have shares in anything? Uh, oh, I mean, other than donut. No, I don't own any stock. Yeah, me either. Um, but I'm, I <laughs> I think I'm investing this year. I've I've been told that I'm required to invest this year. Really? I gotta buy some stunks. What are you thinking? Uh I don't know, now and later. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming up, man. All it takes is one TikTok. Um, in essence, the price of Volkswagen shares was going up because everyone noticed that Porsche vaunted them. It's like when, you know, like the kind of nerdy girl takes off her glasses and puts her hair down. All of a sudden Jake is dating her and then everyone's like, dang, Paul Walker's over here. Like, dang, dude, turns out she is dope. And then everyone wants to take her to prom pretty much. Hmm. Um, Some opportunistic traders thought this indicated that despite the company's denials, Porsche would eventually buy all of VW. So they bought some Volkswagen shares, hoping that they could sell those shares at a higher price when Porsche eventually came a calling. However, other traders saw that the Volkswagen act was still in effect and heard Porsche repeatedly state that it didn't want VW. Those traders thought Volkswagen's price was artificially inflated and would eventually crash. So they were shorting Volkswagen stock. Hmm. Shorting stock is an absolutely crazy, somehow not illegal way that hedge funds make money when other companies fail. Here's how it works. Um, I'm a sharky investor. In exchange for a small fee, you loan me $100 worth of stonks. I immediately sell those stonks for $100 cash. At some point, I have to return the stonks to you. And I'm hoping that in the meantime, the stonks have become absolutely worthless. Because if the stonks I borrowed are now worth $1, it only costs me a buck to return them to you, and I keep $99 profit. But here's the risk. Say those stonks go up instead, doubling the value to $200. I still have to eventually return the stonks to you, but now I've lost $100 bucks.
2: So that okay, can get out control get very very quickly mm-hmm. if something goes awry. It
3: if some- seems so stressful. And you yeah. know what? Those boys deserve to have all the money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any of nah, that. Nah, no, no, no. Thank you. No, thank you. No, that'd be you know.
0: Somewhat- I make the jokes.
3: I talk to the cars. I yeah. talk to the cars. It's easy. Those boys deserve all the money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they uh they're really out there.
3: They're stressful. Yeah. What stressful. if stressful what if my stocks what if my stocks go too much <laughs> I lose their money.
4: Now you know why they all have stress balls. Mm-hmm. They're
3: big forearms. Yeah. The people shorting Volkswagen thought that demand <laughs> for shares would eventually dry up. Uh the price of them would then go down, and they could eventually make a tidy little profit. Mm. Uh, but in the meantime porsche opportunistic investors and shorters were all buying volkswagen stock pushing the price sky freaking
2: high so the people shorting the stock were doing it to spite porsche
3: yes. no not to spite but to like betting against they porsche. were betting against porsche that's what i'm yeah. saying yeah mm-hmm. and
2: then p- other other people
4: on the other side that were like we're with porsche let's let's pump and dump baby
3: Uh, The result of all this was that Porsche's Volkswagen shares were extremely valuable on paper, but had virtually no value in real life. In fact, they were kind of stuck. They seemed to only have two options. Number one, if Porsche tried to sell its stake in Volkswagen, Volkswagen's value would plummet because the opportunistic investors would stop assuming that Porsche will eventually buy their shares. Or number two, if Porsche tried to buy more Volkswagen shares, the price would continue to rise because even more investment sharks like me and Jeremiah <laughs> would try and short it. Either way, Porsche seemed to have a losing hand. The finance bros definitely thought so. By October 2008, nearly 12.8 percent of Volkswagen shares were being shorted in the hopes of a crash. This number may pale in comparison to the 140 percent of GainStop stock that was eventually shorted, but it would soon become. A very important number. That's because Vita King threw a sudden curveball that completely upended the On October 27th, 2008, Porsche shocked the world by announcing it had increased its stake in Volkswagen to 42.6% and secretly gained control of another 31.5% of Volkswagen shares using cash-settled options, another thing that seems like it should be illegal. This maneuvering meant that they bought control of the 31.5% of Volkswagen stock without technically owning
2: it. This sounds sketchy.
3: Yeah. In one fell swoop, Porsche now controlled 74.1% of Volkswagen when Vita King announced his master stroke, a move now known across the world as the Vita Volts. Ooh. The Vita Volts.
2: Hmm. I'm sold. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a very real thing.
3: I did. This guy. Mm. This guy's cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, What are like. Yes. I see how the world yeah. I see it differently than everyone else. It's one <laughs> big chess game.
4: Soon I will control all of Porsche. And then I can <laughs> install my Venetian blinds in all of the cars.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually made that name up. What? Um, (laughs) uh, But it's awesome (laughs) Um, But it'll help us explain what happened next Okay Porsche finally announced that they plan to gain full control of Volkswagen Once the Volkswagen Act was repealed Using something called a domination agreement (laughs) Which is very important to have if you plan on doing any sort of domination, yeah. let's talk about the rules. You gotta have a, safe, sa- a safe word. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make your safe word too complicated. All right, we get it. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> In German law, a company could enter into a domination agreement with the approval of seventy-five percent of its shareholders. At which point, minority shareholders would surrender all voting rights, and the majority owner would now gain control of the company's cash flow. Wow. Now, this cash flow part is important. When Porsche got to 75% and forced Volkswagen into the domination agreement, Vita King would gain control of $12 billion in cash. Wow. That's Volkswagen's money. Mm -hmm. He could then use that money to pay back Porsche's loans for nearly the entire acquisition. In other words, Vita King... Was planning to buy Volkswagen with Volkswagen's own money.
2: That's pretty sick.
3: And that is what we at Pass Gas call the
2: Vita King Vaults.
3: That's too smart for me.
2: That's pretty sick. That's pretty clever. I like that.
3: That's like the end of the movie, and like the guys in Wolfsburg are like putting it together in their head. Yeah. 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 And Vita King's just sitting at the board table watching them connect all the dots. So, if he
4: moves, if we give you the stock, uh... Oh, no. What have we done?
3: (laughs) The thing is, I don't need you to give me anything. For it is already mine. (laughs) I want to see this
2: story as an anime. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Wouldn't that be a sick anime? I mean, there's
3: not
4: much action. (laughs) I know, but like... No, no, no. no. That's the thing, Joe. That's
2: the thing. Like, all the business stuff could be action. Like in a very stylized anime way like he's like i have already paid the loans with the cash that i have controlled and there's like Mm. dollar bills flying around the room and all (gasps) 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 (gasps)
4: this
2: yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. dude that'd be awesome (laughs) yeah nobody take that idea that's donuts we're gonna do it
3: we'll be right back with more of this story but first a word from our sponsors
4: Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for.
2: Vita King was immediately declared a financial genius by pretty much everyone watching. His dealings caused the BBC to dub Porsche, quote, a hedge fund with a car maker attached and generated a ridiculous $13.5 billion in profit for Porsche in 2008, including another 1% of it right into Vita King's pocket. Of
3: course. That was the plan the whole time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it was a disaster for the short sellers. Porsche and Wolfsburg now controlled 94.1% of total Volkswagen shares combined. Almost 13% of VW stocks were still shorted, but only 6% of stocks were still available to buy, meaning it was mathematically impossible for every short seller to buy enough shares to cover for the ones they borrowed. Uh Uh-oh.
4: A lot lot of guys in uh, salmon-colored shorts (laughs) uh, sweating by now.
2: Oh, yeah. Porsche's announcement triggered one of the most dramatic short squeezes in stock market history rapidly inflating VW share price as shorters scrambled to buy VW shares shot up from two hundred dollars to five hundred dollars in one day then to almost one thousand dollars the day after whoa it was that day for a brief shining moment that Volkswagen eclipsed ExxonMobil and Microsoft to become the most
3: valuable company in the world
4: so it is exactly like gamestop but
3: Simultaneously, a bigger and smaller scale. Like, yeah. GameStop obviously got like way more attention, but that like GameStop was never the biggest company in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Um, well, it's I'm 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 so glad that you guys bring that up because financially speaking, it's more or less exactly what happened to GameStop. <laughs> the value of uh, GME skyrocketed because of the redditors on the r slash Wall Street subreddit. They started buying it over to screw over hedge funds. Other people bought it to then sell to the Redditors. This all, in turn, encouraged the hedge funds to double down on shorting the stock. So GameStop kept going up and up, and the result was a massively overvalued company until the value crashed. So, did the same thing happen to Volkswagen, or did VitaKing pull off his complex waltz? Well, there were two variables that Vita King didn't count on.
3: I did not see this coming. <laughs> it seems like he accounted for everything.
2: The first was Volkswagen chairman Ferdinand Pietsch. Up to this point, Pietsch had been quiet on Vita King's maneuvers. It might actually be Pietsch. Hirsch, Pietsch. Yeah, the, a name
4: with three dots in it, uh, you have to speak from the back of your glottal. Yeah, I'm
3: not and, good at talking from my and glottal. The, and the umlaut I'm just going to say The pish. Umlaut, you say the this is real. You say the the vowel sound with like a slight like uh,
2: uh, Okay, uh, pish. Uh, pish. Ferdinand Pish perish. had been Pish had been quiet <laughs> on Viking's maneuverings which surprised observers given that he had sat on the board of both companies. In addition to running VW, Pish was a grandson of Ferdinand Porsche. And his inheritance included a 10% ownership of his grandfather's company. Pish. I got to, I, <laughs> pish. 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 <laughs> Started his career as an engineer at Porsche and quickly became the heir apparent to eventually run it. But in 1970, disagreements within the family got so bad that the group of descendants agreed no family member should be allowed to manage the company. So... Young Ferdinand was forced to get a job at Audi, where he eventually ascended to the corporate hierarchy to become the CEO of Volkswagen, then chairman of the board. His dictator-like grip on VW rubbed many people the wrong way, but he was well-respected for bringing the company back from the brink of bankruptcy. And his stake in both Porsche and VW made him a heavily invested financial player in the Viking Waltz. So many found his silence on VW's potential takeover by his grandfather's company deafening.
3: Hey, this sound—I mean, this guy it sounds like if he's quiet, you should be worried. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's For just sure. like he's like, mm, okay, mm, interesting, hmm. mm, flashy. Oh, how okay. the
2: cards fall. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Pisa's opinion on the deal suddenly became very important because of Vita second unforeseen variable, the global financial crisis.
4: Can't see that coming.
2: By by the end of 2008, risky investments and the collapse of the housing bubble in the US had caused three major investment firms to fail and compelled the remaining banks to basically stop lending money. This was a huge problem for Porsche. Buying 74% of VW had put Porsche deeply in debt but they still had to buy another 1% of the company in order to gain access to VW's cash reserves. And VitaKing needed a loan to make that happen. God.
4: You ever have that moment where you're like so close to something, but you know it's not going to happen? You're like, ah, come on!
3: Never. <laughs> Never. I, I mean, I achieve all my goals. Check me out on TikTok to figure out how to achieve all of yours. <laughs> What's your handle? Uh, Young. Money, m u n n i e. I love TikTok, and uh, <laughs> there's, there's this guy on there, and uh, he's like always giving like this is just like this generation, like this is our generation or whatever, and just the internet in general. And this guy's like always giving people advice, like financial advice, like workout advice, like all. Oh, for some reason, I keep getting fed this guy's thing. I don't follow him, and then today, like someone was like, "So how do you make like money? Like what do you like do other than TikTok?" he's like well my goal is to be a millionaire by 25 and the way i'm going to do that is like one i sell shoes and what? two i work as a bouncer on fridays so basically uh that's 20 dollars an hour five hours 100 bucks on friday it's like <laughs> you <laughs> f- idiot <laughs> Do you know how much money a million dollars is, dum dum? You know how many one hundred dollar shifts? To be fair though,
4: when I was like twenty-two-ish, uh-huh. I still believed that I was gonna be a millionaire by twenty-eight. And I was a line cook. Yeah. And so I didn't have any plan. I
3: just thought that I was gonna be a millionaire. It's just it's just that that is being a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> that is just being a white guy. Just like your whole life, you've been told like you deserve Everything. Yeah, and you'll probably get it. And like, you're not mediocre at all. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be a millionaire.
2: <laughs> that whole kind of movement of uh, op, not optimism, but motivation, motivation porn, I would call it. Yeah, um, mm. is so
3: popular right now, and it's it's all these people with no qualifications, and somehow they got a voice, but mm-hmm. a
4: million confidence.
3: Yeah, mil- and points. They're out here telling people how to live their lives but not and what being specific at do. all yeah
4: like maybe some of them got lucky with like some stocks or like Bitcoin or something but that doesn't mean that they should be giving advice because they just got lucky I feel like it's I feel like it's student athletes <laughs> like that same student athlete energy where yeah. it's like mm-hmm. hustle every day like rise and grind <laughs> let's yeah. make that cheddar <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur <laughs>
2: yeah uh I, I, I agree with you on that Joe, definite, definite student-athlete uh, energy. If you're a student-athlete, if you need to listen, that's fine, just uh, don't go overboard with it. My, I mean, my only real advice is just to like be professionally persistent and, uh, I don't know, if you have a job that someone would kill for, make, don't make it worth it for them to kill you, you know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. gotta do a better job than they would ever do. Unfortunately, bad timing is the enemy of both camshafts and complex financial transactions. Nice keeping it car related, you know. No bank would lend Porsche money. They were already hugely in debt and they made luxury cars during a recession. And oh yeah, one more thing. Germany had passed an amended version of the Volkswagen Act, so the Viking Waltz's legality was extremely in question. Not not a good place to be in. A huge part of Viking's plan, plus his reputation as a financial hotshot and automotive golden boy, relied on the continuing generosity of investment bankers. This turned out to be a bad idea. By spring of 2009, King was facing imminent loan payments of $13 billion. Porsche owed money to 15 different banks, each of which could bankrupt the company if it decided to. The day before the loans came due, King's CFO had managed to refinance most of the money they owed by promising a $4.4 billion payment in six months. To cover the rest, Porsche was forced to take another billion dollar loan from Volkswagen. Oh man! Just five months after announcing its intention to buy Volkswagen, Porsche was instead taking a loan from them.
4: This sounds like VW is like uh, Tony Soprano, like like predatory lending, kind of on VW's part, but it's in retaliation mm-hmm. to this sneaky.
3: Yeah, it's like, hey, what's up? What are you? What are you here for? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Weird. Huh. That's I thought you were going to buy us.
4: Oh. It's cool. this
3: is kind of awkward. <laughs> I mean, sure, I can a billion? Sure.
2: This is where Ferdinand Pech re-enters the story. From his seat on each company's board, Pech facilitated the loan, then immediately started making noise in the press about his dissatisfaction with Vitaking. The Porsche CEO attempted to soldier on Hoping to retain Porsche as an independent company or, at worst, merge with Volkswagen as partners. With no available lines of credit, Viking sought a bailout from the German government and then from the country of Qatar, but was turned down because ownership of Volkswagen remained unresolved. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors.
3: Porsche quickly made clear how to resolve it volkswagen would force porsche to pay back the billion dollar loan unless porsche sold itself to volkswagen whoa it was the final dagger to Vita King's plans just like that porsche's years-long quest to buy volkswagen were over but the predator had become the prey whoa <clears throat> It was the only realistic financial option Porsche had other than going bankrupt. So in July 2009, shortly before the $4.4 billion payment was due, Vita King was forced to resign. Though he did get a cushy $71 million severance on my the way Dude, It's like at that point, you're like, well, I took my shot. That was pretty yeah. fun. Dude.
2: With Por- with these Porsche bonuses, he's made like over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, he's like outside was- of his salary.
3: Yeah, he's like that was pretty wild. Wow! <laughs> <I'm out.
4: Yeah. laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. I'm gonna go <laughs> yeah. to the Cayman Islands. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I like I'm yeah, I'm just gonna like own an island or some. <clears throat> but like, yo, wow, <laughs> <laughs> wild. Uh, if nothing else, uh, this dude was really good at making himself money but he was Mm -hmm. not as good as Pisch. Mm. The deal went through in fall 2009 when Volkswagen paid $11.3 billion in cash, cash, their own money, to buy Porsche. Pisch's family ended up owning about 32% of Volkswagen, and Qatar agreed to pay down Porsche's debts in exchange for a stake in Volkswagen. Mm. Pisch had completely flipped King's plan on its head gained control of his grandfather's company and turned his personal ownership percentage into multiple billions of dollars Wow! the saga of porsche and volkswagen may not be quite as absurd as the one of gamestop and reddit i mean this is like one of the coolest stories i've ever heard in my life <laughs> uh but it was no less a roller coaster ride in fact This is exactly the kind of thing that caused the Reddit rebellion against hedge funds, unscrupulous financial maneuvers by the ultra-rich. Think about this. Wendelin Viteking tried to turn Porsche from a car company into a hedge fund. Thousands of workers nearly lost their jobs when he almost bankrupted it instead. But he still walked away with $71 million. So the endings of the GameStop and Volkswagen sagas were the same. Rich guys got richer. Hmm. Of course, that's the lesson from pretty much any financial chaos. The people at the top always make money from uncertainty. For example, at the same time that the Vita King vaults was playing out in Germany, GM was entering bankruptcy here in the United States. It took tens of billions of government dollars to save the company from going under that bailout made the U S government GM's major shareholder. President Obama fired GM CEO who had led the company to $82 billion in losses. And that guy walked away with $20 million severance. The 30,000 workers that GM laid off, obviously we're not so lucky. It's as rigged as a Vegas casino and will take massive structural change in order to fix, but we can always hope. Meanwhile, We'll try to focus more on cars, less on corporations, and uh, yeah, I'm thinking about going to live in Canada. Uh, Wow. Good story. Dude, we got to get the rights to this movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
4: You know, I'll always respect Ford for not taking the bailout and dealing with it on their own terms. A lot of car companies took that bailout, and none of that really translated into the people that are... (laughs) Sending that money I, to the government.
2: I actually would like to do an episode on the whole car bailout situation, but we'll do that in a while. 100, not 100, it, dude. Do too many financial episodes in a row. But yeah, thanks for listening to Pass Gas. I don't want to don't
3: speak for Tommy, but approved. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening to Pass Gas. This is a, a different one than we usually do. Dude, but
4: I uh, love this one. It was very I fun. episode. Yeah. Big thanks to Kanan for bringing this article up in our Slack chat. Pain dog, the big boy. Thanks, Kanan. Thanks, Bridget for producing it, and Tommy for producing it. And
3: hey, thank you guys, Joe and Nolan, for hosting so good. Oh, thanks, thanks man. Thanks, you guys,
4: thanks you for guys, being
3: so upbeat, James. You guys brought the facts, you brought the jokes, we brought the
4: energy. Yeah, and a, and a big thanks to Greg Nicks for writing
2: this awesome script. This is a real good one, real good one, guys. Um Yeah, follow the show. Follow Donut at Donut Media. Follow James at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. And you know what? Just uh, be kind. Take care of each other. I love you. Keep it juiced. See you next time.